Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ever Cathedral of Sport podcast with myself, Ash, and the right reverend, Bobby Love. Today's talking points, we're going to talk about Fulham's return to the Premier League. We're going to talk about the big news coming out of Arsenal. We're also going to discuss Scottish football as well. We're going to discuss what's happening in the SPS- SPFL right now, the SPFL reconstruction, what went wrong over lockdown, the betrayal of the pyramid system, and is the gap widening? Is the gap widening? Is the financial gap widening? Bob, how are you? How have you been? I, I speak to you about 10 times a day, but I never actually ask how you are. <laughs> uh, I am very well, Ash. Thank you. Obviously, it's been a tough number of months uh, being stuck in here on my own. Uh, not getting to see anybody was pretty difficult for the first few weeks, but now the pubs and that are back open and go and see people. I am very well. How's yourself? Oh, I'm glad you are. Um... <laughs> Uh, I've struggled a bit. I've struggled a bit with, with, with all the change, and I'm, I'm used to my uh, creature comforts and my freedoms and stuff like that. So it, it's taken me a while to adapt, but I am I am adapting. Not, I'm not adapted. I'm adapting. So I, I don't know if this is a new normal. Then you know I've, I've got to adapt even quicker, haven't I? Uh, right. Let's get straight into it. Into it, Bob. Basically, yeah. what 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 me and Bob are doing is four shows a week. On this podcast, the first is the football show, which we're doing right now. That's only once a week with the F1 show as well, boxing show, and also the US sports show. Bob, Fulham. We're going to start talking about Fulham. Congratulations to them for returning to the Premier League in the £160 million game, apparently. £160 million, Bob. Apparently apparently so. Richest game in the world that Sky love to keep telling everybody on a constant basis. Well, and it kind it, of grates, it grates just a little bit after you hear it, Paul, about the tenth time in the first five minutes of the intro kind of part of the TV show. Well, this is it, and I mean, it, it didn't really live up to 160 million pounds. I mean, I, I you didn't watch the game, I watched the game, and I covered it for our Twitter page. It was a bit of a chess match. No, you know, there was no one giving giving anything away. You kind of expect that, really. You know, with so much money on the line, such a such a big prize, and because it is the golden ticket. But Fulham did it in the end. Two goals in extra time by Joe Bryan. One of them, if you've seen it, Bob, I don't know if you've seen it yet, was one of the best free kicks that I've ever seen anyway. Goalkeeper completely caught napping. Bang. Reminds me of a Hearts versus Hibs game at Hamden. <laughs> Once upon a time. Um, Fulham up. How do you think they'll do next season? It really depends. I think I think a lot of clubs now coming up tend to have a struggle to kind of stay there unless they're going to spend huge amounts of cash or unless they've got yeah. a pretty good manager. Um, obviously, Scott Parker's done well and taken them down. Well, he took them down, but obviously he's brought them back up immediately. Um, it, it's, it, it's a tough one to call. Usually, these type of teams that come in the playoffs have a tendency to struggle, if I remember right. So, it'll, it'll probably be a tough season for them. Um, it depends how everybody else around them kind of carries on as well. It's not an easy league to stay in when you're immediately coming up, so it'll be it'll be a good it'll be a tough battle for them, certainly. Well, I totally agree. And they, they, they call it the golden ticket, but is it really the golden ticket? I mean I, I see a lot of teams come up through these playoffs and that and they and and they fall they fall way off the mark. You know, they don't make the right signings, they don't utilise the money right. The exception probably being Sean Dyche at Burnley. He he has made signings that have, have, have kept him in the league and kept him kept challenging for Europe every every season. They've even been in the Europa League. So, 
you know, it's a hard one for Fulham. It's it's a really hard one, especially being a London team, uh, trying to trying to attract players to a, a London club is pretty hard. It's pretty condensed. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of other clubs from London in the Premier League, you know. So, what is their budget? What have they what have they got to spend next season? We don't know. They, they, they have got a rich owner, just like everyone else has in the Premier League, really. Um, but I, I, I personally think that they will struggle again. Good luck to Scott Parker, though. It is good to see a young British manager take a team into the Premier League. He's only 39. He's only a few years older than me. I'd love to see that. It seems to be quite prevalent in the game now, which we're seeing a lot of younger managers coming into the game now and, and, and doing well with, with Premier League teams. Like Eddie Howe, unfortunately, got relegated this season, but I'm sure they'll bounce back. He's a great manager. There's, there's, there's young managers in the Championship as well. I, I, you know, this is... Young managers are getting a chance now. I think they kind of had to, really. The may go round of the of many managerial appointments is the window was starting to close for all of these guys. So I think a lot of teams, especially cutting budgets back uh, with the current COVID crisis as well, are going to start looking more to younger managers and maybe trying to get them in on a lesser budget and see how they do and see if they can work wonders. Because um, I like, yeah. I think anybody anybody who watches the game really does get a bit sick of seeing you know the likes of Big Sam and these type of guys just <laughs> going around, going around all these different teams coming in to fix a problem and getting a big massive payoff and all this kind of stuff. And it, I don't think it's good for any club to do that. I don't think it's, it's never really sustainable either. So it's probably yeah. a good thing a bit more kind of younger talent coming into the game. Well, this is it. I mean, we've got the. <laughs> We've got like the the sort of like three tiers of the the managerial merry-go-round, haven't we? In English football, we've got the we've got like the we've got that like the platinum tier, which is your Allardyces, your Pardews, and and people like that, yeah, Roy Hodgson's that seem to get work no matter what, no matter what they've done, they seem to get work. And then you've got you've got your silver tier, your sort of like sort of people in the, in the English football leagues, like your sort of like your Parkinsons, your, your Tilsons, and, and and people like that that you know. The other guy that I'm trying to think of right now, Pulis is another one. Yeah, uh, Pearson. You know, it, it, these, these guys are. Just, it's just one big merry-go-round. It's so, it's so good to see someone so young get a team into the Premier League. Someone different. Commiserations to Brentford, though. It would have been really, really, really good to see them start in their new ground in the Premier League. Just a stone's throw away from Griffin Park. All ready for next season. Shiny new grounds. But they'll be seeing championship football instead. They didn't turn up at Wembley, and you've got to turn up at Wembley, as the old saying goes. Well, I just made that up. But if anyone wants to use that quote in the future, you know, just give us a nod and tell, tell them where you got it from. Bob, Arsenal. Terrible. Big, big, yeah, big news coming out of Arsenal yesterday. Um, it's pissed a lot of people off, and, and rightly so. We've had Ian Wright tweeting. We've had uh, Arsenal's biggest cheerleader, Piers Morgan, ranting off about it. Now, if, you, if, if your club has turned over a £300 million profit, it's paying a player that never plays £350,000 a week, reportedly. I don't know how much exactly Metza Ozil's on, but apparently it's £350,000 a week. And in your lanes, 55 people off that are helping you create that wealth. Now, these clubs have just become corporate monsters, haven't they? Just the way the, the genie's out of the bottle, unfortunately, and it's it's pretty it's pretty sickening for all the people to see the folk that really make a club work. 
you know, your backroom staff, the people that do the things behind the scenes that never really yeah. get the credit, be yeah. the first ones to get the chop. And I think that's that's kind of the case for a lot of clubs. I mean, you'll see you'll see for a lot of teams, look like teams will cut immediately the ladies' team because that's the easiest for them when they probably shouldn't. You'll see them cut backroom staff because they're easy, even though there's players that are underperforming that you could easily get rid of. Yeah. You know, it's they're talking about giving Obama Young an extra hundred grand a week or something to keep him at Arsenal, and up, up, the rumours on Twitter there they've offered uh, William a four-year deal at one hundred and fifty grand a week or something. I mean, that it, it just it, it just kind of I think it sticks in the craw for a lot of people, and it just well, kinda, it shows just how far at times teams are away from what they're meant to be, and that kind of old-school community hub that everybody seems to think that their club is. Yeah, and I mean, another thing that I want to touch on as well, I don't know if it's relevant, I think it's relevant, I don't know if, if, if our listeners think it's relevant, but a lot of these Premier League clubs, we're, we're talking about the staff at the lower end of the pay scale, like your kiosk workers and stuff like that. Not, we're not talking club shop, because I think they are employed by the club, <laughs> but your food kiosk workers that serve your beer and burgers and stuff like that at half-time, and you, I think you can get popcorn at Arsenal now. <laughs> um, five are a pop. But yeah, they're, they're, they're used by agencies. They're, they're, they're agency workers, a lot of them. So you think, it, I know how recruitment agencies work, so do you. If they're being paid £9, £10 an hour, the club will be having to pay the recruitment agency £15, £16 an hour to put them in there. So why does it make sense doing that, but not hiring people on a normal wage and giving them a proper contract? Um, I think your guess is as good as mine there, really. It's, it, it, I sometimes wonder how football clubs run their business. I'm not a businessman, obviously. Um, yeah. uh, although I'm trying to learn more about the, the kind of the money behind football, listen to the Price of Football podcast, but it's, it, it's some of the decisions kind of baffle me. I mean, they're probably going to have all these people come back when fans are allowed back in, shelling out all that money. But those 55 people that have just lost their jobs won't be coming back. Well, this is it. And if I was one of those with these employers, I'd be taking Arsenal to a tribunal. They, their ticket price is also a joke. My a friend of mine called Scott, he took him and, him and his daughter along to one game against Burnley. So it's not a category A game. They His, his daughter isn't even eight. £125 for the two of them. Now, if you're charging... Surely, surely if you're charging people that for, for the price of tickets, you can afford members of staff, cleaners club shop workers, kiosk workers, stuff like that. Now, I don't know who has been, who exactly has been laid off here. I, I've, I've had a snippet from elsewhere, from, from numerous sources, that a few scouts have even been laid off, yep. have lost their jobs. So we just, we just don't know. But, but what it is, it's, it's the principle of it. And the, the Premier League and its clubs need to take a hard look at themselves. This isn't just Arsenal. This isn't just Arsenal. It, it's Man, Man City's business model as well. Is, is pretty much the same. It's, it's a corporate machine. It's a corporate monster. And people are turning away. One of those people turning away is a guy called Steve at Hackbridge Harry on Twitter. He now follows Tutan and Mitchum. Guna through and through. It's his quote from yesterday. I expect better than that from a club with such history. My inner Guna is angry. Announcing this just after the win in the FA Cup, hoping people won't notice or care. Well, everyone noticed, didn't they? Yep. So, I mean, it's, it's obviously we'll come on to my situation later on in the podcast, but it's one of those reasons why I turned away from watching football for a, for a while, but is that the money was getting too much. It's ball to wall. 
and a lot of it is just not entertaining. And then you see some of the business practices and it's like, why would I want to put my money into companies that do that? And obviously there's probably, there's probably a little bit of that going, oh, well, you still buy things on Amazon, which is fair enough. We'll take that in the chin. But it just kind of, it's like I said earlier, it just sticks in the crawl a little bit when you see these kind of things, especially when they're about to bump up wages for other players or sign new players for hundreds of thousands of pounds worth a week. Yeah. I mean, we're all so far detached from these clubs now. I mean, I was taken to a Premier League club by my uncle when I were, when I was young, when I was four, just nearly nearly five, I was four. I was taken to a Premier League club and it stood up. Uh, the ticket prices were affordable. It, it just it just seemed to go from, from one extreme to the other. During the 90s, this, this corporate machine just grew. We all know... We don't have to tell our listeners and patronise people. Everyone knows it's because of the Sky Sports deal and B Sky B. It's grown the game for the people at the top and top class footballers. It's not. It's you know. It's good for people watching on TV. I mean, I'm not saying the Premier League's rubbish. It's it's entertaining. Some of the world's best. We have some of the world's best players playing in the English Premier League, but fans are detached. The, the fan. There's so many people going to non-league football now because they know, and we're going to we're going to talk about this later on in the in the show as well for your reasons for for changing club, which is going to be an interesting discussion. <laughs> yep. Anyway, we move on a bit closer to home. We're based in Edinburgh, guys, so we watch a lot of Scottish football, and we want to talk about the SPFL, the failings of the SPFL. The Scottish Premier Division started back up the other day. Oh, hold on, I need to interject there. It's the Scottish Premiership now. Before you get people moaning at you on Twitter. Yeah, I'm going to, aren't I? Yeah, that, <laughs> it's the, the, the ignorant English guy. He's struggling. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. But big win for Celtic again, as expected, against Hamilton at home, 5-1. Rangers won 1-0 away at Aberdeen. Hibs <laughs> beating Kilmarnock by two goals to one. St Mirren beating Livingston by one goal to nil. Ross County... Beating Motherwell one nil. I think Dundee United and St Johnston drew one one. But anyway, Celtic and Rangers with wins to kick off their campaign. Now, the big talking point over the summer and the whole of Scottish football kicked off about, and it was a massive fuss. Was the idea of reconstruction due to the league ending too soon, which, I, in my opinion, could have been played in the end. Hearts being relegated with eight games to go. Partick Thistle in the same bracket. Stramra, who in my opinion were already doomed, also as well were relegated down to the basement league in the SPFL. Also denying the chance of promotion for Brora Rangers and Kelty Hearts. Bob, what happened? What went wrong? What went wrong? <laughs> I don't know. I th- I, I, do you know what? If, if I could answer that question properly, I wouldn't be sitting here probably. Um, <laughs> I, I think there was a there was a there was a rush to not look at other aspects of what could be done. Um, I don't think personally, considering how the Scottish government have reacted since the season would have got finished. Um, but I, I think there was. It's been discussed elsewhere as well, so we might be rehashing some things, but there's, there's too many people sitting in too many positions in Scottish football looking out for themselves. Um, yeah. And I think, I, th- I think, do you know what? I, I can understand that to an extent. I think most fans can understand that to an extent. 
that when there's a proper opportunity to change things around and maybe do the right thing, um, whether that be reconstruction or something else, they've yet again shot themselves in the foot. And the optics on that beyond Scotland, once again, don't look good. Now, we can all sit and talk about people do a game down and all that kind of stuff. Those in the higher positions often don't do us any favours. When we've got fans there out there who do some really good work, uh, you know the guys on Twitter want to do some fantastic marketing, really talk the game up yeah. quite, quite well. And then you get that guys in the positions that they are and they make an absolute howler. And it's constant. It's been constant for almost as long as I've been watching football in Scotland. I mean, it wasn't that long. Like, I'm old enough to remember when 10 clubs resigned because they'd never got an SPFL TV deal. Uh, and what Celtic and Rangers says, well, if you want your boy, you can go and play with it. And eventually, it kind of all came round. I remember this. Was this was this the whole time when that didn't happen, that didn't come to fruition, and Satanta came in with the deal, and then when Satanta went collapse, and then bang, you know? I think chain, it was... Chain reaction. Yeah, we started sometime round about then. Um, I always remember Chris Robinson, the old Hearts owner, being right at the forefront of this and standing on the steps of Hamden, if I remember correctly, all yeah. faced and angry about what had happened. Um, but I, I think it, it, it's never really recovered from then. The divisions in Scottish football will carry on. They'll always carry on until you can get someone to come in and sit there and knock heads together and go, look, things need to change. Things really do need to change on a wider scale. And Neil in that position isn't the man to do that. Is, is, this, is this through fear? Is this all through fear of upsetting two certain clubs? Uh, I think there's a fear aspect, not just for upsetting certain clubs. I think it's a fear from most clubs um, that they're going to end up maybe losing positions in the league or losing money. Um, I think that was part of the fear for not having the pyramid playoff. Um Obviously, my own team member say we're, we're very keen to keep that going. I mean, our chairman, Jim, has been very clear uh, on the club stance and making sure that the pyramid was kept intact. Yeah. Because um, for all for, for all people complained that, you know, Hearts and Partick and Sharna were demoted and Kelty and Broder never had a playoff. There was another nine teams in the SPFL who were denied a promotion chance as well. And of course, yeah, yeah. That, that that's, might cost them a lot of money. Um, although some of them stupidly voted against it, Cowden Beef being one, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just it, it's just another kind of multitude of problems. It just never seems to go away. It never seems to get fixed. And you're sitting back and you're looking at it going, why what, Why does it have to be this every single time? Well, I think it's sides as well. Um, you've got the Cowden Beef chairman, who's quite linked to Rangers. Let's just say that. I don't want to say too much. I don't want to... Don't want to be sued here, but um, I, I, he's, he's connected to the old firm. Rangers wanted to end the season. No, sorry, Celtic wanted to end the season. Rangers didn't. So I'm surprised at that one. Uh, but Edinburgh City conducted themselves really well, I thought, during that. So did, so did clubs like Falkirk, Inverness, Cali Thistle as well. You know, these. it was a hard one, uh, especially in the Premier Division, because... A lot of a lot of the Premier Division teams voted for the sole reason, and I know this, I know this. They voted for the sole reason to keep their four games against Celtic and Rangers every season. It's the TV money that comes with it. 
it seems like St. Johnson open up three sides of their ground to the old firm. You know, the revenue, the, the lost revenue would be massive to teams like that. So I, in a way I can understand it's not my cup of tea. I, if I was a club chairman, I'd have voted for reconstruction, something different, a change, more teams, but Hey, it's, it, it is what it is. Unfortunately, could the last season been played, Bob? Um, I think, just like I said earlier, because of how the Scottish government have been a bit more stringent than the rest of the UK, um, I think that would be unlikely, especially if UEFA had kept to the promise of seasons had to be finished by the 3rd of August, I think it was. Um, but I think there could have been other ways to do it. I mean, it's just going over. I mean, the arbitration settled now. They've decided that how it was conducted um, was legal. But what obviously we don't know is whether they've said in arbitration whether they approved of the process. And they're two entirely different things. Um, they can very well say we don't like how it was done, but there's nothing illegal in what has happened. But because these papers are going to be kept confidential, we're never going to get to know unless there's some kind of massive leak to the press. Yeah. I See, I'm, a, I'm quite stubborn with this opinion. I, I think it could have been played. I, I would have liked to have seen it been played very similar amount of games left to English football. They said, Scottish government said, we're two, week, two, three weeks behind England when it comes to COVID and all this sort of stuff. But look, eight games, there would have been no arguments. There would have been no arbitrations. There would have been no court cases, which the court case didn't really come well, to did it? Um, and there wouldn't, there wouldn't be just this whole mess and, and division in Scottish football. I mean, there's now, there's now a massive rivalry between Hearts and Dundee. There's, you know, all, the, all these teams and, and managers and chairmen and fans are just bickering each other on social media constantly about, about what's happened. Now, I think Hearts have been done a massive disservice. I, I really do. I think Partick Thistle have as well. Stranraer have, and I said earlier, Kelty and Brora. But we've got, we, we've got to move on. Last season should have been played, in my opinion, and that's, that's what I'm going to say about that. Is the gap widening, though, in the Premier Division? In the Premiership between who? Celtic and the rest? Celtic and Rangers and the rest? Or well, Celtic and the rest. I mean, I don't. I don't think Rangers are anywhere near Celtic at um, all. The, 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 the answer is probably no. And obviously, Celtic generally do well in Europe as well, which adds to how much money they can bring in. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a difficult one because. Obviously, Rangers will documented previous financial issues and some Rangers fans might not like me this, but there's obviously rumours that they are, even though they're spending money, they're still having struggles or losses. Um, but they're only going to get up to Celtic's level by spending money. Um, and have that, they got that? Well, that's the question, really, isn't it? And the thing is, that's, I don't think they have. That's, the, that's not good for other teams in the league because there's not a huge amount of money swelling about Scottish football. And again, that goes back to the, the kind of mismanagement of... Uh, the game by those in charge and pretty poor TV deals, a lack of a main sponsor. You know, they do very little to support the teams out with really the top two. Yeah, yeah. And I don't mean that in a kind of, oh, well, we all hate Celtic Rangers. Don't necessarily mean all that. But the fact is, you just need to see the TV deal. It's geared up to have Celtic Rangers on every week. Oh, of course. have four old fun games. Now, yeah, it may be the biggest attraction, but the only way you're going to get people attracted into other parts of Scottish football is to show other parts of Scottish football. 
So for example, yeah. BBC Scotland have started showing championship games on a Friday night. And I'll tell you, I have watched more championship games and been more entertained more by championship games than I have by when the premiership games that are on Sky or were on BT. Well, this is it. I mean, I'm I'm exactly the same. When I when I moved to Scotland, I I started following Lowell. Obviously, I started. I did follow. I still do follow a Premier Division. Well, was a Premier Division team. Team, sorry. Um, but my my more interest has been in lower league football and what was the juniors. It's now most of the teams are now in the East of Scotland League. And I saw more entertaining games in that than I did on Sky Sports some Sunday afternoons. And it, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? There, there's a there's a lot of talent in Scottish football, especially in the lower echelons, especially in like League One, League Two. I've seen some good players in the Lowland League that I think could play at a lot higher level. There's there's a couple of players that we know of that that could possibly play in the top division in Scotland, but they're more interested in their work commitments, which is fair enough. That, that, that probably probably pays more. Because I know I know what some Premier Division players are on, especially at places like Livingston and Hamilton. And if you're a chartered accountant or you're a Something like this, you're gonna, you'll, you'll be earning more. So football's just a, a hobby. So they say, they say semi-pro, and these these players could, these are exciting players, some young players as well that that could play at that level. Maybe not nowhere near as a Celtic or, or Rangers or Aberdeen, but they, they 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 could play out there. They could hold their own for sure, in my opinion. Absolutely, no question. I think there's been quite a feeling of a lot of teams not to start looking lower down to see what players they can maybe take. And the thing is, it's going to be a lot of... It'll be a low cost for a lot of teams. So say, for example, Dundee United Hearts decide to go to Edinburgh City and, I don't know, let's say they decide to sign, for example, Andy Black or Robbie McIntyre. You know what I mean? Guys who look good at the level, they're probably going to be low cost for the club initially. And if it doesn't work out, well, it doesn't work out. But the problem is the teams aren't going there and looking to see if there's these players that can come into a squad and make a difference. Whereas they're going around recruiting all over the place on some people on really big money and they're just expensive flops. And then the fans sit there and they get all, I can't believe this again, another one, poor signing, get on players' backs. And that's not good for kind of morale around the club either. No, not at all. Um, the gap... Is in, in my opinion, we're, we're going to go back to that. I, I think I'm going to I'm, I'm going to go against what you say. I'm I, I think it is widening. I think I think Celtic are pulling away financially from the rest of the field. It's just going to get worse. Brian Rice, the Hamilton manager, quoted on Sports Scene last season, early on last season, he said that it's the worst gap he's ever seen in his God knows how many years in football. And Brian Rice has been in football a very long time. A very knowledgeable guy. He said it's the worst. It's the worst he's ever seen. He, he, he can't see a, a light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to this. Well, I think it's like I said earlier on. That's that's possibly for those in charge to get their fingers out and actually do something to attract people to go to the games. Yeah. To spend yeah. money to have without kind of using that particular horrible word to have a product that people want to go and spend their money on. Yeah. You know, there's loads of other things in this world that people can go and spend their money on these days. Um, and although football in Scotland still does exceptionally well for its size of population, it probably can still do even better. And part of that it, is how the game is presented, and it's not helped by a lack of a sponsor, you know, a TV deal that's pretty poor in comparison to other countries. Is that Brooks Once again, once again, having a civil war where people are just going to look at it, much like my rant on Twitter last week, and go, do you know what, for enough, am I just going to look for my own team or I'm not going to ball? 
Ladbrook's gone then. Ladbrook's were gone last season. He's had they've had over a year to bring in a new headline wow. sponsor. Wow, see, I, I was I, I was under the impression it was Ladbrook's Ladbrook's Premier Division League uh, Championship League One and League Two. I thought it was that, but I didn't know they'd they'd, they'd, they'd pulled out, so I didn't know there was no sponsor it, for so long. That's it ended at the end of last. Not a good look. It's never a good look. It's never a good look. And there's Neil Doncaster saying, "Oh, I think we need to get past the optics of this." And well, we maybe can get a sponsor, or maybe we can, but there's more important things to be doing. And then there was people on Twitter putting out all these different leagues around the world. Saying all getting new sponsors and all that, so you can't even blame COVID because there's still companies putting money in to oh, sponsor sports events, and he's sitting there getting paid what he's getting paid and saying, "I oh, don't worry about it." Well, why not? Get your finger out and actually justify your money. Yeah, um, I, I totally agree with you. And when it comes to when it comes to product placement as well, the start of the season wasn't advertised very well, so it wasn't marketed very well. You look at the, the the league in the Republic of Ireland, the Premier Division. There, they did a big marketing campaign, a really really fancy and fantastic video they put out to all the fans. Game streams for five euros and stuff like that. Where there was nothing coming out of Scotland, nothing. Maybe a couple of Sky Sports adverts with Chris Boyd's face on it. Yeah, but, but other than that, <laughs> again, yeah. I mean that, that, um, that's a problem. That's a problem. That's a wider problem as well, though, because. Um, and it goes beyond just the Scottish Premiership having its own Twitter account. They're not good at marketing at all. They're not good at marketing all the leagues at all. You know, now there's that streaming deal for the League of Ireland, five euros a pot for each game, and all the all the profits are then pooled and shared equally. Yeah, so, so because there's too many people who want too much of the pie, you just need to see it there. Livingston, twenty pounds for streaming a game. I mean. Yeah, I appreciate you don't want to undercut your centre holders or your price. But come on, people, we're in the middle of a pandemic. People are struggling with money. Yeah. And you're trying to charge them as much as you normally would for a walk-up. That's just not... For, to, to watch in a home where the angles aren't going to be as good and you're not going to see as much of the game, it's not good enough. No, it's not good enough. And so, so what you're saying, Bob, the League of Ireland is... It, they, they're doing this, the, the stream as a whole, as a, as a whole league, whereas Scottish football doing it as individual clubs. So yeah. we've got... Yeah, so we've got Livingston charging £20. We've got, I think, Motherwell are charging £12 or something like that around that time. Motherwell fans, you, any, any of you listening to it, please put me right, please, and correct me if I'm wrong. All prices are different. There's no, it, you know, I, I as you, you're right in what you're saying. I mean, £20 to watch Livingston is, is not good, is it? I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not feasible, I mean, but they've got to pay the play, pay, pay, players have got to be paid. Rev, they've got to be paid. They, they, there's, it's, it's expensive. It's, it's an expensive thing to run a football club. It's, it's not cheap. So, so how else? How else do Scottish clubs create revenue? What, 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 what do they do? Where do they go? Who, who do they turn to? Oh, that's one question. Eh? Another one. If we knew that answer, we probably would be sitting here. But you know, yeah. I, I think people are just going to look at say a headline price of twenty pounds and we're not paying it. So that means they're going to lose money for people that probably would have maybe walked up to a game. Yeah. Totally. So I mean, the, I mean, even just a streaming deal like an SPFL TV with with streaming rights, and you can have that along the Sky deal because if you look towards North America and you see like NHL TV, you know NBA Game Pass and all that type of thing, they've still got all multi-million pound deals with television companies. But what no. they just do is if it's a main game in your area, or if it's a main, they just black it out on that part. You know, it's not a difficult thing to do. 
Nah. So what you can do is you could have a television deal and alongside that, you could still have like a, an SPFL game pass, one that preferably takes in all the leagues because I think it sadly lacks because there's so much of a snobbery from those and the higher echelons to what the lower league does and somehow some of the football is. Have it all there. Have it across a whole number of range of television kind of packages. Even if you just had people pick one, say, oh, you want just the home ones for your team if you're abroad, just the away ones for people in Scotland maybe, or, and have whole packages if you want a whole package and have different tiers. And then that way you can have all that money coming in, share it around, and that adds to it, and that brings extra coin in. But they're just not willing to think about these things because they're no. too busy concerned about their own pockets, how much they can earn individually and how much they can take out. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, to me, it, it it all stems from wanting the the old firm to come old firm to come to town as many times a season. You know, I, I I think that's what it's all about. I think that's where they they look clubs look up to the old firm as the, the, the big sugar daddy. You know, we'll get drip feeds from them to keep us alive through revenue that they create through European matches and merchandise that they sell all around the world through they've got supporters clubs all over the world and that you know are, are, are Scottish clubs too reliant on that? Well the thing is you can still have like a joint streaming deal and still have your old firm coming to town yeah two to four times a year I mean let's face it I mean every, you look like obviously we're North American sports fans we know how these things work there's big teams there over there that earn far more coin than some of the little teams Right, to kind of use a slightly pejorative term. Look at ice hockey. Teams like Toronto and Montreal bring in far more than Arizona. But they all still manage to pull together and come together for TV deals and whatnot and share it all around. And it's also a more level playing field. There there, there might be mumps and moans and all that kind of stuff, but certainly nowhere near as bad as what you see with with the static that you get over here. You know what I mean? You have to sometimes walk to a common good to make things better. You know? And they just... Scottish football is, is never, ever... In my lifetime, ever done that, and I'm no, And I mean, American sports as well. It's a lot more of a level playing field with the draft system. So, you know, young players get tied to long contracts and stuff like that. But you know, so that's a discussion for for another show. Bob, we're going to talk about you now. So I want everyone to get to know you a bit better. What you're about, right? You wanted to talk about how you change team, how you change football team. Um, now, this is a big grey area amongst football fans. Are you allowed to change team? Why would someone want to change team? Is it sacrilege to change team? I mean, I was a little turncoat when I was a kid, you know, so, you know, we won't, we won't, we won't, we won't, we won't, we won't go into me as there'll be a lot of people who tell you what I was, I was really like, you know, but um, it is a grey area. Uh, a lot of people do turn their nose up against it, but you've got some pretty good reasons why, mate. <laughs> um, well, maybe let the listeners judge that one. But yeah, uh, obviously, get out of the doors. I was brought up a Hearts fan, um, despite yeah. living in the East End of Edinburgh my entire life. Um, I had pretty much little option, as my mum's family were all brought up in the kind of Fountain Bridge and Gorgie area. Um, and my granddad born on Wheatfield Street. Um, it was either that or my dad trying to get me to support St Johnston, and let's face it, that was never going to happen. Um, too far away from Perth. <laughs> too far away from Perth. That's the excuse that we'll give. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, 
it kind of kind of started from there. You know, I started going to games at Meadowbank Thistle when they were about just to see if I was sitting my backside. These were kind of yeah, no problem. Bob could do that. Managed to kind of badger my dad into going to Tin Castle. Went to the old family enclosure and what was the old stand um, with a famous section N section in it. Uh, ended up um, the notorious the, section N. The, the notorious, yes. Um, well before, well before, uh, sorry, well after I stopped going anyway. So yeah. we kind of went to the games. Uh, really enjoyed it. You know, get taken by some of the players. Obviously, my first football hero being John Cahoon. Um, marauding down the right wing with his wee shirt hanging out the back, which was a bit more stylistic than everybody else. Uh, obviously, people like John Robertson and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so, so I got quite taken by Hearts from an early age when I was about eight or nine. Uh, yeah. We, still, we, we were still at the very tail end of some people still going to like uh, you know, Tink Castle one week, Easter Road the next week type thing. Um, right, okay, yeah. Because a lot of my old dad's colleagues, well, my dad's old colleagues, I should say, well, he was old now, but no then. Um, some of like, his colleagues from work and his friends and that from work, quite a lot of them are Hibs fans. Eh? So we used to go Easter Road down and then as well, and I kind of sacked that pretty quickly. And there's something just a bit more alluring uh, about Tin Castle. Um, I don't why? know why. I don't know why. Don't know why. I, no. I think there's a good chance it was probably John Cahoon. I mean, okay. I, I, if, it, if it wasn't, if it wasn't for Cahoon, um, looking back on it, you might, I, I don't know if I've heard he'd been a Hearts fan. It was something that kind of caught the imagination immediately. Um, so, I suppose it's a bit like like a lot of youngsters nowadays don't support teams; they support players. You know what I mean? You get like the um, Yeah. You get like I, I mean, there's, there's there's a lot of kids around the world just like. Support Ronaldo, or I don't know. Support. I'm trying to think of yeah. Messi or other other players, Aguero, whoever you know. Um, yeah. Or if it wasn't for it, but back then it was the you don't support a player, you support your team. Of course, yeah. <laughs> so from so, that, oh, no, carry on. Sorry. So when you what you said, John Cocoon and uh, John Robertson were your, your your big inspirations as well for for wanting to follow Hearts. What about Tyne Castle? What was it about the place that drew you in? You know, was it... I mean, the first the ground I was saying to... Yeah, it's going to sound funny here to everyone, but the only reason why I, why, why, why I wanted to go back was the smell of the hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what was it? What was what was it about Tyne Castle? What, you know, what was... Going to get into a bit of football romanticism here. <laughs> well, I can tell you now, it wasn't the smell of the brewery. Um, oh, God, Yeah. <laughs> I think I think when you when you when you used to walk into the old stand at the old family enclosure side, you walk through the turnstiles, then you immediately walk up these steps. It wasn't like a huge amount of steps, but you used to go in, especially if it was floodlights, and you just see the entire pitch, there, whole pretty much the whole stadium, and then the lights flashing on it. And that was kind of like when you're eight or nine, you're thinking, "Wow, this is amazing. This is you're not going to get any better than this," you know. Yeah. And it, it was probably things like that, and then. You start going to other grounds, obviously you start getting taken to the other way game here and there. First away game? Oh, God, that's a good one. Um, <sighs> a good chance it was either Easter Road, even though I'd already been there, I guess, um, or Starts Park. My memory is thoroughly hazy on that one. 
Starks Park, home of Rafe Rovers. Yes, it was probably Starks Park because it was nice and close. My dad didn't have to drive that far. Um, so I, I think it was a good chance it was Starks Park. Mm-hmm. Which has its own its own kind of nice tale of the train driving by in the middle of a game. <laughs> yeah, still does. I mean, I've been past it loads on the train going up to Fife and up to Dundee and places like that. And uh, I was I was rubberneck when I go past it. Quite a nice little ground, actually. I can imagine back then it would have had terracing when you went to an away game, but at the corner stand feature in there, I can see why the why the locals were attracted to it. So, what what, what went wrong? What 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 started turning you off, Hearts? Because during the nineties, Hearts weren't a bad team. The Scottish Cup win, some decent players, oh, yeah. some exciting football. I remember as a kid, even in even in South London, uh, we used to watch some Scottish football, what, what we could anyway. And my granddad's favourite Scottish team was Hearts. So he used to show me a couple of, couple of Hearts games now and again. And it, 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 it was good stuff. It, it, football was kept up. It was decent football. Now, it's a decent atmosphere as well. Decent football, great colour kit. What turned you off? What turned me off? Um... I think the pizzazz had gone. The pizzazz. The pizzazz. Um, <laughs> you know, I was. I've been around, like, obviously, been in like loads of away games, watched the cup win, and that was all entertaining. Followed the rope top bus route and all that kind of stuff. And that was uh, it was an entertaining night and whatnot. But the pizzazz, I started, I started to follow a lot of the football, I think. Yeah. Before, before that as well. And. You know, wall to wall football. Was, it wasn't quite as wall to wall as it is now, but it was getting to that point. You could see more money getting involved, and mm-hmm. I was just kind of, I was, I was slowly getting bored of football. I think that's what it was. Um, as you, as as you know, but the listeners might not. Uh, I'm a huge ice hockey fan, and yeah, I've, I, I was starting to go to more games at the hockey home and away, and that wasn't compatible with going to Tyne Castle every week. Um, you know, you, you're going to you're going to a hockey away bus, and you're going to such sunny sights as Basingstoke and Watford. Wow, yeah, that's um, a whole day, isn't it? It's a, it's whole, a whole day. It's not like it's a it's a whole day trip. Um, you know, like just after I was kind of stopped going to Hearts before I was going to the City Games. Um, there, there wasn't many away games I'd missed, and you're talking like I was finishing a shift in a nightclub getting a quick shower and going on a bus to a hockey away trip six o'clock in the morning at Murrayfield and then back at six o'clock in the morning the next day. So, there was, but I enjoyed it more, you know? Yeah. I, I was just enjoying doing that more because I was, I, even just sitting in the stands at Tynecastle, Castle, there was quite a lot of kind of racist and sectarian and homophobic abuse and it wasn't really sitting well with me. Um, yeah, I mean, and I, and I hadn't for a long time, and even even without sounding like, oh well, he was at uni, going to uni, and you start reading things more, and you start looking your eyes up, and all that kind of stuff. And my mum and dad never ever brought me up to say those type of words. And, oh, of course not. And, and you know, like, my mum was in a caring profession as well, so it kind of rubs off a little bit. So was my gun. So these kind of things mm-hmm. rub off on you, and it was getting to the point where it was like, ah, you say you stand up and say something. And you're getting told to can shut the fuck up and sit down. It's like yeah. well, that's not good enough. 
You know, you go and say and complain about it, and it's like, well, what did you do about it? Well, you challenge it, and you get told to sit down. Go and get a safe face or something like that. Always got a soul face. And I'm like, you know what? I've kind of sacked that. I don't get that at ice hockey. You know, I don't get that at any other sports. I was maybe attending at the time. I just kind of had enough. But that was kind of like the tipping point. I mean, there was always a lot of things, you know, just getting bored of football in general. Uh, yeah, I mean, I get that at Tyne Castle as well. I mean, I, 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 I go to Tyne Castle and sometimes the atmosphere in the stands toxic. It's, you know, there's a lot of people bickering between each other and there's a lot of things that you wouldn't want your children to hear. Um, but that, you know, that's, that happens at every football ground, really. Um, it's just, it's just part of football, football fans nature, really. I'm not, I'm not uh, condoning any racist or sectarian chant or anything like that, because that's just bang out of order and that shouldn't be anywhere near a football ground. But things like swearing and, and getting angry and that it's, it's part and parcel, but I can, I can totally see why that you, you, you went to ice hockey and you wanted to try something new where you don't get that, you know, but so, but what brought you back to football then? So there must have been something that that sort of dragged you back in. Um, what brought me back? Well, it, t- it took me a while because I stopped kind of going to Tincastle around the, the turn of 2000 around about that time. And there was a wee bit trying to fill the gap with Scottish, like going to Scotland games at Hamden, and that got knocked in the head pretty quickly, um, mainly because the Tartan Army didn't like any criticism of players. And I was starting to get punched in the face, me and my pal, for disagreeing about the position of Tom Boyd. Wow. Um, so we decided to knock that in the head pretty quickly. Uh, so it, it took a while. We were sitting there watching it. And then, kind of 2004 or 5, uh, my pal Elliot had been trying to badger me and my other pal Craig to go to watch Edinburgh City. Now, Craig was in the same kind of boat as me, really. He was starting to get a bit sick of football and you know, board the Champions League games because it was the same people all the time and you know what? Yeah. And that's something that neither of us have ever really recovered for. I still don't particularly watch in the Champions League unless it involves a team I'm interested in or it might be a tasty game. It's a lot of the same rubbish. It's been a lot of the same rubbish for the, about 20 years. You know, so I'm not, yeah. I, I, it's, not like a, it's not like a new thing in football. It's like fashion what you not like the Champions League. I was doing this a long time ago. So I think we were just kind of sitting there wondering like, what we're going to do. And then Els says, fancy coming on your own Ember City games. And her initial reaction was like, no chance. I am not going to watch football. <laughs> right, absolutely. No way, Jose. Forget about it. Um, but that's, I, I think that's a general reaction that many, I've seen many Scottish supporters have. I think that's probably across the UK as well. But certainly in Scotland, there's a, there's a real kind of snobbery about what the lower league brings and what it does. And then we were like... I'm not going, I'm not going. And he was kind of badgered away a wee bit. He says, I've got a really good team this year. They play some nice football, top of the league and all that. And eventually kind of wore us down. And we thought, right, okay. There's only a couple of quid to get in. And then we went in. And we, had, we sat there, three of us. And we're like, okay, well, this is actually a pretty decent game, this. And we play some really decent football. You know, there's some really good players there. And we're like, do you fancy come back in? We were like, ah, yeah. Brilliant. But if we come back and Elliot was like, see, I told you, it's not that bad, eh? it's not that bad. And then obviously they won the league that year, at least the Scotland Premier League, um, for for the first and only time. <laughs> and it, it just it just kind of snowballed from there, really. You know, you start going to more games, you start seeing some familiar faces. 
you start seeing players coming in, you see some younger players coming in, and you get quite attached to how, how they're doing. And then you start looking at the website for going to your games, when's the next time they're playing, you know, and obviously we've been just at Meadowbank, just yards from my front door. It was like, it was good to go to Meadowbank and watch games. Um, you know, you can hear all the players shouting, you can feel every tackle, and it was like, this is really good. I'm really enjoying this. And we think want to kind of sound romantic and soapy and all that kind of stuff. There was something just a bit more kind of like authentic. You're sounding romantic and soppy now. I know, that's what I said. But I don't want to sound <laughs> it, but, but it's it, it, no other way to put it. It just feels a bit more authentic. And in many ways, even though we're in League Two now, it still feels a bit more authentic. Of course it does. I mean, I started watching football at that, 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 that level as well years ago when I was still, still living down in England. Um, I walked away from from Premier League football and that, apart from watching it on the telly. And, I, you know, it's, it used to amaze me that I could sit in the bar with, with mates after the game and all the players would come and sit with us and you get talking to the manager and you're buying each other drinks and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, this is why, as I said before, right at the start of the show about fans being detached from big clubs, you'll never get that. These players, they, they live in these big gated communities. Now, not so much in Scotland. I think Scotland, apart from maybe old firm players, um, I think, I think Scottish footballers and people that play in the Premier Division are quite approachable, to be fair. Um, I've spoken to quite a lot of them. But it's still, you know, they still wouldn't come and have a pint with you, would they, straight after the game? They wouldn't sit down at your table and, and sink about six pints. And maybe, maybe uh, as has happened a few times, go on to other bars with you after the game and uh, stay out for most of the night, which you've probably got some stories from, from Edinburgh City. <laughs> I, well, not really. We'll, we'll come on to that. We'll, we'll come on to one story later on. But <laughs> yeah, let me talk more about that. I mean, like for example, w- one of the reasons we kept going was because like the old chairman, Jar Lumsden, the city legend, used to come and speak to us at games. All right, guys, how you doing? Good to see you coming back. No seeing you, be- or no seeing you before. Before then, started thing. Good to see you coming back. You know, Ken's nice to get. Tell your friends about us. Blah blah blah. One, isn't it? And then. It carried on for there. Then I think it was after maybe the second season we were going. We got a vote for Player of the Year. You know, doesn't matter if you didn't kind their names. Didn't kind their names, boys. Just put the numbers doing that'll be fine. You know, and that kind of goes for there. And you know, it's something you don't get higher up the chain. Um, even, even, I suppose, even as in League Two. Although obviously we like we, we speak to Jim and all that on a regular basis. It's not like. He's not going to have a chance at a League Two match to go and sit around every fan and go, good to see you here, thanks for coming. Because there's too many fans there for a start. <laughs> yeah. you know, if, I mean, if he was to go around all... Well, what's the average crowd? 350? If he was to try and go around all 350 fans, he'd probably get to about 100 and that'd be the 90 minutes up. <laughs> you know? If that, if that, you know? So, yeah. but, 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 that, but that's, that's just perfect. That, that, that's just kind of... The way that it has been in the leagues, I guess. So yeah, it's also Jaguar- a sense of belonging, isn't it? It is. It's also a better sense of belonging because I found that when I started following like, non-league football, you can stand with. You don't have to book tickets in advance. You can stand with your mates. You can sit with your mates. You can, you know, there's no restrictions on pubs. There's no there's no police escorts. There's no just no silliness. All, all, all this, all the stress that you go through following a big team is completely eradicated when you go and go and watch smaller, smaller teams, especially in non-league. There's no, there's no police. There's no, 
you know, the stewards are even friendly and they, they come up and have a chat with you and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, there's, it's more of a family feel as well. Uh, everyone feels like part of the family. And that's what, that's what attracts a lot of, you know, what I'd say genuine and true real football fans away from the big teams. And, they, you know, it's a, sense, it's a sense of belonging at the end of the day. It's a, it's a family that you'll take to your grave. Um, a little bit, a little bit. Um, I, I'm not one that's particularly hung up on my football club being my identity, which is probably why I managed to sack the hearts pretty easily. Um, right. I've got more of a, I've got more of a belonging, I guess, with City because I've seen them go through the non-leagues and into the leagues and making a, a pretty decent showing of themselves um, since we got promoted. But I'm not. It's probably why we even come up for the idea of this podcast and because we watch so many different sports. Because I'm not tied, my football club is not my identity and how much I'm tied into that football club. It manages to let me look around other sports and see other sports and how things are done or see the, the kind of, how, how these players go about their business. Um, which is why I can, I'm often so frustrated uh, uh, Scottish football, I guess. Um, so it's why you do. Why I've had more sense of belonging, probably City. I mean, I've been to more City games than I ever have Hearts. I've been to more grounds with City than I ever would have with Hearts. Um, you know, I've probably got a closer bond with a lot of the guys that go to the games. If I had no bonds with anybody at the Hearts games apart from like my dad and my pals, anyone that came with us. Um, yeah. You know, that's far more than City. So, I don't even know what I'm trying to say here, but, you know, it's, it's just, <laughs> I, I think it's all just like a multitude of why I could change teams to the City so quickly or so easily is because I'm not tied in for, like, my my life has to revolve around this football team. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's not for me. You know, I mean, there's, well, people, there's people, they get the derogatory term of jammy wearers, whatever football team you're at. And that's fine if that's how they want to do things. Ah, oh, Sean, I just can't do that. I've never been able to do that. The the only time I will make exceptions, I've ever made an exception, is generally if it was a a ticket for a Caps game or a football match. And I'll sometimes make an exception for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, but otherwise, I can quite easily turn off a football match, put in a different sport, or or do something like that, or go go on new experiences for different sports that I maybe didn't have a chance to do because I'm not so wedded to football or wedded to my team. Can you ever see yourself going to Tyne Castle again? Ever? Not even, even just to maybe reminisce about times that you had, you know, with your old man and stuff like that. You know, have, have you been back since? Have you been back to Tyne Castle? How, how, how long has it been now? I mean, I've been back... If you exclude Scotland under 21 games, <laughs> uh, I, oh, think, yeah. I think since the year 2000, I've been in Tancastle about three or four times. Um, wow. Um, no, it doesn't make you want to go back? No? Well, it absolutely, not. absolutely not. That's why I dragged you to the Scottish the final with me. In the sand, the same stuff I heard in the sands with the same old dribble I was hearing 20 years ago. <laughs> you know, and it's just, I just, oh, I can't be doing with it. I mean, I went back 
I went to the the Hearts Celtic Betfred semi at Moneyfield last year, and the main reason I went there was because it was at Moneyfield. You know, yeah, I'm different to see a football match. Um, and a guaranteed brief. And a guaranteed brief, yes, guaranteed brief. Um, <laughs> and I went there, and the day before we had a we had an away day at Stirling Albion, um, which you, yeah. I think I think Tom was scored a winner for about thirty yards in the top corner. Um, and there's a picture of me acting the goal as as pair that winner. Um, and then the day after it was the semi final. I kind of had the ticket, got there, watched the game. Uh, also, I went with a good pal, Neil, Neil Rooney. I was sitting there, and we could see folk fighting amongst themselves, and you could hear all the Celtic party tunes, you could hear all the Hearts ones as well. And I'm like, I just can't be doing with this. I had none of that yesterday. Everybody yesterday was there for a bit of fun. Yeah. And then we got out and there's fighting amongst the fans outside the ground as well. And then we got round and we went to Tincastle for a couple of times and got to the tiny arms. And I said to Neil there, I says, look, I says, I think that's, that's just finished me off. I says, I'm done. Ah. I says, I'm done. I mean, it was one more time, wasn't there? There was one more time. There was always one more time, but that was the one that properly killed it off, I think. You know what I mean? The Scottish Cup final. Uh, well, we, we, we went, went to together. the Scottish Cup final and we really, the only reason we went was to see if we, anybody could beat Celtic. Yeah. I mean, that was the only reason I went. <laughs> because well, no, I, I, I you sat, generally... You sat there, we went, there, was, there was myself, there was me, uh, you, my pal Cam, and the Perrys told me to shut up because we'd lost to Clyde in the playoffs and I was still absolutely pissing. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and then I came out and I came out of that Scottish Cup final and I felt nothing. You know what I mean? I wasn't upset, I wasn't you know, I wasn't angry or anything. I was just like, oh well, whatever. You know, it was, was just that, it, it, it came to the point where it was just another football game for me to take in. Was that the moment? Was that the final nail in the coffin? Was that that was that the moment that you say, right, I'm never gonna go again. That's no. me, I'm completely done. Or no, is, there, is there still you know, I know you've changed. I know you've changed allegiance, like. But is is there still any any chance of you going and watching the team that you were first taken to? No, 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 no. Unless I was getting like a fee- like, unless I was getting like a hospitality ticket or something like that, right. with Dave, then <laughs> then I've got absolutely no, no odds to go back. I, I had pretty much no odds last year to go. The only, as I say, the only reason I went to the, the semi final at Murrayfield was because it was at Murrayfield because it was always I always wanted to see a football match. Like a big one, semi-final or final, excuse me, uh, not played at Hamden or, or somewhere in Glasgow. And that was the attraction for going. Um, otherwise, I would have just sat at home and I might not even have watched it. I've got, you know, I, I, know, I know it's quite hard. It'll be quite hard for people to appreciate just exactly where I'm coming from because most people probably, oh, you've got to stick with your team, blah, blah, you can't eat that. I can't believe it. Turncoat, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. But you know what I mean? It's just, it's just one of those things that, I didn't like how people were acting. I don't like the football. I don't like football in general. You know, as you know yourself, it's not it's something I've never really properly recovered from. Um, and subsequent owners between Chris Robinson telling a week and eight year old to go fuck themselves, excuse my French, when the wee not boy was asking for it. an autograph, you know, to, to the highs and lows of Romanoff. Some of which were actually entertaining. Some of which uh, we certainly weren't entertaining. And then to 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 Anne Budge and how many aspects of how she runs the club, 
Um, it's just something I'm just not interested in. I quite like Mon. Obviously, I quite like Mon about it. I still quite like, especially how she's conducted herself. I quite like moaning about other teams, especially Hibs. I mean, some habits die hard. Um, but, I've, but of course, again, as, as I think as one of your in-laws says, that Hibs fans, some Hibs fans have seen Edinburgh City's arrival because of an Edinburgh. Maybe that's the same as well. I mean, I don't really see Hearts and Hibs as rivals. But in many ways, if we draw them in a cup tie, it's a dark mm. I do. I do. I certainly see them as right. But anyway... Everyone, that was Bob's story. Thank you, Rev. <laughs> that you know, comment at us on Twitter. You know, ask him a question if you want. Ask a Rev a question at Cathedral underscore Sport. I want to hear some comments from everyone about about this about this issue. You know, is it about this grey era? Is it okay to change teams? Is it okay to change teams like Bob did, or isn't it? You know. I, I want to hear some feedback from people. One last thing. One last thing. Aberdeen. News just in, literally just before we, we, we started to record this. An Aberdeen player has tested positive for, for COVID-19. What I'm getting as well from people on Twitter is that there are certain players out in a place called Solbar on Saturday night mingling and mixing. Now, if there's going to be some sort of bubble, then it needs to be implemented a bit firmer, doesn't it, mate? Um, yes. Without, I'm yeah. not going to get drawn into speculation. I don't think about who or me who or me have been on or who not, because that's that will come out eventually, probably. But I think if the, the, the fact that teams are meant to be in a bubble, and this includes something a couple of weeks ago as well, despite the false negatives, there were still positives in there. Um, the fact that teams are meant to be in the bubble and people are still being affected is going to be difficult. Um, what I am surprised at is that they've declared that the game at the weekend will be on between St Johnston and themselves. And that's away in Perth. So you're essentially taking people from a, a town that is locked down, an area that is locked down, into one that is Out of the five-mile zone, yeah. Um, I, I just think that's absolutely when they say in the current climate. I think that's yeah. a terrible decision by the government. Yeah. Um, it, well, it, all, it, it, all it's going to do, all, all, all it may do, is you may end up seeing like a, a, a Dominic Cummings fiasco, where it's like, well, if they can do it, we can do it too. Of course, yeah. Aberdeen fans, comment, please. Talk to us, DM us, anything. Email us, inquiries at cathedral sport at outlook.com. You know, just, just, just tell us what you think about this, because this is a big issue. How many other players are infected in the squad? How many other players? Have, how many other people have they infected? You know, it's. I don't. I don't. I, I can't see an end to this at all, and it's 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 driving me pretty mad. To be fair, I just want fans back in grounds. I just want everything back to normal, like everyone else does. But hey ho, you know, if if, if players aren't sticking to the rules, apparently, I'm not gonna. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a judge. I'm not going to throw the book at them. But apparently, if they're going out mingling during a pandemic when they're meant to be in a, some sort of bubble then as I said you know sanctions have got to be implemented on on the club on the players but hey it's a matter for another day guys thank you so much for listening today thank you very much we'll be back next week with another football show myself and the right reverend Bobby Love I hope you've enjoyed this you know any feedbacks good feedback to us you know if you want us to any talking points next week 
just let us know. Next week, we'll start the rest of the shows as well. We've got an F1 show. We've got an American sports show with Gav. And we've got a boxing show with myself and Pringsy. Thank you very much, Bob. Cheers. Goodbye, everybody. Stay safe. Stay safe. That's the message. The Rev has spoken. He has spoken. Thanks, guys. See ya. 